Episode 10, Helping. Ronald Reagan once said, We can't help everyone, but everyone can help someone. During this time of uncertainty and hardship for many, helping others is more important than ever. One group doing that is called Hugs. This story is about how that nonprofit helps sick children and their families. The nonprofit Hugs works with hundreds of families across the state who have one thing in common. They have a child diagnosed with a life-threatening illness or disease. You go on for years sometimes, you know, having to care for them, not knowing what their prognosis will be. Hugs provides emotional and sometimes financial support. No matter what, no matter what situation you're you're in, they're they're always able to lend a helping hand. Tristan Fung's daughter Kayla was born with an intestinal disorder. The family is part of the Hugs community. We have family events. We have nights just for moms, nights just for dads, stuff just for kids, and also for siblings as well. But because of COVID, those are now online events, from group sessions to special shows for the kids. And then they've also had stuff for my daughter. They had a pizza um, party night where they did some magic and made uh, slime. So she enjoyed that. The pandemic forced the pivot, but Hugs embraced the change to virtual get-togethers. Hugs also increased its food donations for families who can't go to food distributions and risk exposing their child to the virus. Since COVID, we've doubled the amount of food baskets that we've given out to our families. Executive Director Joan Nagua says the nonprofit needs help so it can offer more assistance. It's really about community, putting hugs around these children and these families. To make a donation, go to hugshawaii.org. This story impressed me uh, because of the generosity of people. Hugs has been doing this for a long time. And the people that they work with, the families they work with, aren't necessarily all little kids. But the ages go all the way up to 21 years of age. And they'll stay with that family through all those years to take care of them if they need if, if, if they need some help financially, if they need some help with transportation to get to medical care and things like that. Um, and also, the services that HUGS provides, it's completely free. It doesn't cost the family anything. I love the, uh, the way that they, they reach out to the families too because it's respite time for them. And that's something they can't do right now uh, because of uh, COVID. They can't provide that that respite time for the families, you know, just providing some time so the parents can get away a bit and they can watch the kids for them. They can't do that right now, uh, but they will when they get back to going. So they're, they're finding other ways to help, other ways to help these families and using the internet, uh, using Zoom sessions, magic shows via Zoom to keep the kids entertained and, and other activities like the slime activity and things like that, just to to reach out and, and let these families know that they're there for them and they're not alone. Just to, to be that, that um, shoulder that they can lean on, uh, that listening ear, you know, they're there to do that. And they're doing the best they can to keep uh, the people that they work with engaged. And after the story aired, they did get feedback from the public to, that reached out to help them. And, and I hope it's continuing because that organization does really good work. Well, we have a
have another story about helping. In some ways, it's a sensitive subject. A pair of college kids helps homeless women by offering them free feminine hygiene products. Adrian Aguinaldo and Amanda Higashiguchi help the homeless in a way that's different from other efforts. A lot of people think to donate food, to donate money, um, to give cash to um, homeless people, but they never think to give them a tampon if it's a woman because it's just so overlooked. You don't consider that. This year, the College Friends started a charitable organization called Wahine Kokua. Through financial donations, they purchase feminine hygiene products and package and deliver them to women in homeless shelters and outreach programs. I just wanted to do something for the community, basically, because there's a lot of people that don't have the privileges to have simple things such as tampons or pads. The pair started their project in June. In just six months, they've given away more than 2,500 packs of feminine products. The women who get them are very thankful. It's really heartwarming and it really touches my heart and it makes this very much worth it. When they shop, clerks wonder why they're buying in bulk. And everyone's like, what's going on? Uh, a lot of people think it's for a science project, but we're like, no, it's for the homeless. As the outreach grows, they want to work with more homeless shelters. To learn more about Wahine Kokua or to donate to their mission, go to wahinekokua.com. There's different ways to donate. So we have PayPal, Venmo. Um, we also have like an Amazon wish list where you could directly buy like the pads and tampons and um, the wipes. I encourage you to go to the website and read the testimonials from some of the ladies who have gotten the hygiene products. One woman says, it's like my birthday. And there are other comments like that. Uh, just the impact that these two young people are making is phenomenal. Adrian and Amanda, they met each other at school. They're both from Hawaii, but they didn't meet each other until they went to the University of San Francisco, where they're both studying. And they got this idea. And when they came back home because of COVID, so they could do their distance learning, they started doing it. And... They are now working with a number of shelters where they take these um, goodie bags, as they call them, to the ladies there. A couple of young people who are making a big difference. Nobody thought of it until they did and decided to run with it. And they're very serious about what they're doing. They have, um, they don't plan to stop after the pandemic's done. They, they want to grow this into something more than it is now. And they've already made an impact, but they want to do even more. And they've got a vision, and they're running with it. Where do they find the time? <laughs> and they're students, too. But they find the time to, to do this work, and they do a really good job at it. I am amazed by how, uh, how out of the box this story is and, and what they're doing is. It's really out-of-the-box thinking. And it could inspire other people to, you know, who may have an idea that nobody's thought of, but they have, to do, actually do something with it, maybe to help the homeless or to help other people. Who knows? The pandemic's effect on the economy was brutal last year for many nonprofits. Donations went down as needs increased. And limits on social gatherings meant large fundraisers were off the agenda. But as this story tells us, some nonprofits got creative to encourage donations. 
The COVID pandemic forced Access Surf to cancel its big fundraising events this year. The nonprofit moved to smaller office space and found other ways to save money. We've always kept a rather slim budget to begin with, and we're, you know, we are grassroots in that sense. So we've been making it through this time, but our projections into the future is what's concerning for us. The Hawaii Alliance of Nonprofit Organizations says now more than ever, nonprofits need to be creative to raise funds. Certainly the smaller nonprofits that maybe before the pandemic were already with limited cash reserves are probably uh, very challenged right now um, to keep going with a lot of the various revenue sources for nonprofits drying up. Women Speaking Out canceled its gala, a bowling tournament, and smaller events. It's using other avenues to spread the word. Because of the difficulty of the pandemic, we've really upped our digital media game. We just came out with a brand new website, um, and we've also done a lot of social media. Donors are responding to its Speak Love campaign, buying gift boxes filled with totes, masks, and other swag that will go to domestic violence shelters. We've actually gotten some great um, monetary donations from people that maybe wouldn't have heard the message um, in a normal situation. There's also good news for Access Surf. Many donors made good on their commitments. We are now able to actually purchase our new equipment van and completely outfit it so we will be ready to run our program. But nonprofits are under a lot of stress. Access Surf switched from annual strategic planning to month to month. That's the new normal. They have found ways to cut costs, to uh, do this or that, to change things around so they can continue helping people. And that's top of mind for them. You know, they don't want to shut the doors and, and stop doing what they do. So they're looking for ways uh, that they can, that they can uh, maybe change, change the way they've been doing things so they can continue helping. And they're helping themselves by doing that too. You know, they're, they're coming up with new ideas, uh, new ways of, uh, of doing what they do. Nonprofits, you, this, that's one thing that the pandemic has, has really brought up, how dependent so many people are on others. You know, nonprofits are very dependent on, on donors, on uh, ways to raise funds. And, and the pandemic's really brought that out. We kind of take them for granted. Uh, in, in the good days, you know, they, they're just going along and, oh, there's Access Surf or there's another nonprofit and they're just humming along and we don't give it a second thought to how they operate and maybe the kind of help that they need. And the pandemic's brought that to the, the surface and how dependent uh, nonprofits are on the help and the kindness of others to keep on going and keep on helping. Well, we'll leave you with one last story. This is about an artist who helps the community through his art. When Kobe Bryant died, the entire world seemed to come to a screeching halt. Thousands mourned his death. Now, a year later, artists, including Hawaii's Terrell Porter, came together to honor Kobe with a mural. I'm painting this mural because it's about Kobe. You know, it's Kobe, baby. Oahu street artist Terrell Porter is in Los Angeles painting a huge Kobe Bryant tribute mural. He calls it Mamba Business. I want the mural to really like capture and project out this, this energy of family and Mama mentality. The mural spans three large walls on South Broadway and Venice Boulevard. Terrell's halfway through and he's experiencing how much the city loves Kobe Bryant. And some people that come up, come up to me in tears and some of them 
You know, they're just thanking me. He's like my hero. He's one of the main people I've looked up to growing up. Artists worldwide have painted pieces honoring Kobe. You see them on KobeMural.com. The website's founder says Terrell's painting is different. It's dedicated to the entire Bryant family, and it includes images of the family that I haven't seen anyone else do, which is really cool from him. Terrell was commissioned to do the Kobe art through the website Beautify Earth. This is his first trip to L.A. I really wanted to paint out here. There's so many talented artists out here. We first met Terrell in 2019 when he painted a big mural in Kaka'ako. The Kobe project is teaching him new techniques. The whole study of Kobe Bryant uh, has really pushed me to, you know, become the better, better version of myself. Terrell says Kobe was one of his favorite players. He believes he was meant to paint the mural, and this butterfly that landed on his airbrush was a sign. My friend gives me a magazine. I look at the back of the magazine, and Kobe Bryant has a butterfly tattoos on his shoulder, on his right shoulder. Terrell started his Mamba business mural in mid-October. Please come by some more and check out the mural. Thanks for having me, L.A. His work of art will be finished in February. Terrell Porter has a knack for capturing uh, images in a really unique way. If you go through Kaka'ako, you can still see the mural that he painted. It's right off of South Street on the Mackay side of Queen Street. It's an entire block. And you just, well, it's actually, it's, it's a barricade that, that goes around a, a construction area. It's still there. His mural is still there that tells the story of Kaka'ako. So if you haven't seen it for yourself, it's well worth the visit to do that. When he went to Los Angeles, he was actually commissioned to do the work on the mural of, of Kobe Bryant. And he wanted to do something different, to do a different part of Kobe. So he, he incorporated Kobe's family into the artwork that he did in, in uh, Los Angeles because nobody else was doing that. So he, the family entirely, there's, there's a lot of murals of Kobe and uh, his daughter, Gianna, but Terrell couldn't find any murals of the rest of Kobe's family, his wife, his mom and dad, his other, his other children. So that's what he did. And he titled it uh, Mamba Business, tying it to Kobe Bryant and his Mamba movement. Uh, but he also based it off the, the, the term family business. And that's how he brought in the other aspects of Kobe's life. And he also wanted to include the, what he called the NBA family. And so he has a part of his mural, uh, uh, image of Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan, uh, who's, who's Kobe's idol. Terrell has grown as an artist, and you can see it in just two years. Uh, the work that he did in Kakaako is phenomenal. It's beautiful work. This, the Kobe Bryant mural is, 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 it's bigger. It's bigger than what he did with Kaka'ako. It's, it's a bigger topic. It's a bigger subject uh, and, and really a bigger audience. His uh, murals also being featured on the KobeMural.com site. So he's getting exposure throughout the world now through this bit of art that he has done. I think Terrell can go as far as he wants to go. And he says himself, the bigger the wall, the bigger the opportunity. So his best mural is out there somewhere and just waiting for him to paint it. We don't know what that's going to be, but keep your eye on him because he's a really talented, talented artist.
Before we go, I'll leave you with this. A wise man said, We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Giving back and helping one another will help us get through this pandemic. I want to say thank you to podcast producer Davis Pittner. First time out, I'm Jim Mendoza. Join me again for Tell Me a Story and look for my television stories on HNN's First at Four newscast weekdays on KHNL. We'll see you next time.